This episode of the Cinema Vention Podcast is brought to you by Rotting Wonk, RozJ001, Jack Wolf, and Wearmall 3. If you want to become one of the names listed, go support the show today at patreon.com slash wscottis1. Hi, I'm wscottis1, and I have not seen the movie The Fifth Element. <gasps> Increasing his cultural IQ, one movie at a time. This is Cinemavention. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cinemavention podcast, where we review and discuss classic movies that I should have seen long ago. Today, we'll be discussing the movie The Fifth Element, which my guest has seen before. He is a regular Diamond Club Game Night contributor and intermittent streamer. Please welcome back Brian Coford, aka B. Coford, to the show. It's been a while since we've been, had you back on but i'm so happy that you're back how are you doing yeah pretty good uh glad i can make it uh and yes i have in fact seen this movie before many times <laughs> yeah many times so you, you and those of you watching the video you even got the apparel for it so <laughs> you got the apparel yeah, and enough. the lights to go with it so it's, it's not exactly a cosplay but it'll work yeah no, it'll work yeah But uh, let's go ahead and uh, go over the stats real quick before we get into the discussion of this movie. Uh, The Fifth Element is available for rent or purchase on all major internet distributors and is available to stream on Hulu. The Fifth Element was released by um, Buena Vista International and Sony Pictures Entertainment on May 7th, 1997 in France and then on May 9th in the U.S. The movie was directed by Lou Besson and stars Bruce Willis, Gary Oldman, Mila Jovovich, Jovovich, Chris Tucker, and Ian Holm. The movie had a budget of $90 million and made $263.9 million in theaters. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, do you remember, you said you had seen this movie before, Brian. Uh, do you remember the first time you saw it, though? Uh, not specifically, but it wasn't too long after it had come out, so it, it would have been sometime that decade. It's possible I saw it in the theater I don't recall. Okay. I saw a lot of movies back then. Yeah, so probably on VHS at this time, something like that. Seven. Yeah, I I don't recall. Sorry. Ah, okay, <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was in ninety seven at some point, probably in ninety seven. Uh, ninety seven or ninety eight. So yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I wanted to uh, begin the discussion of this movie by talking about like what exactly is the fifth element because. This is one of those questions that is never really, I mean, it's kind of addressed in the movie, right? Kind of. So, well, some, some would argue it's what the movie is about. Well, yeah, for sure. But, but I'm talking about like, so, so let me, let me explain. So the reason why um, this movie is called the fifth element, right? Is because there are typically four elements that humans need to survive water, fire, earth, and air. However, this movie talks about there being a fifth element and it, it, it's described as as near as I can tell a combination of all four of the elements kind of embodied into a sort of a um, s- sort of a species um, species or being or whatever you want to call it. Right. But like, okay. what exactly is the fifth element, though? Because. Okay. So. Yeah. So for, first thing, I'll go full pedant mode on you. El- element is a fundamental thing. Sure. So you can't have an element that's made up of other elements. That's gotcha. Not how it works. So the fifth element is not one of the other four elements, and it's not made up of the other four elements. Okay. Uh, and so when they get to it and they call her the fifth element, um, it's sort of like saying that the stones were the other four elements. Were they actually elements? And did they represent elements? Absolutely. Mm. So it's more of a representation so- type of thing, you would say? To a certain extent, yeah. So all okay. the elements are involved to make the thing happen, but are you know are the things referred to as the elements the actual elements or just representations of the idea of the elements? Then the other one is you didn't watch a lot of Captain Planet as a kid, did you? I did not. No. <laughs> okay. Because if you if you did, you would know that the fifth element in Captain Planet is heart. Mm. Now I don't think this movie does heart. Uh, it makes it uh, feel a little bit more like love. Uh, the way they play off, uh, play it off in the movie, and we can get into that further as we get into the actual plot. I see, gotcha. But uh, so in in the, so they have this. Um, so they they 
the go- this government lab is able to take a a piece of the fifth element, which is a hand that basically, to my understanding, basically uh, they retrieved it as a result of the um, of the attack that uh, the that the species were having in the air, right? The the two yeah, so like Manglors uh, attacked the, yeah. the Manchuans who were bringing the fifth element to Earth, right? And the whole ship crashes, and the only thing that they find that they call a survivor is that hand. Uh, and the reason they were able to call that a survivor is because uh, they mentioned in the movie it has extra memo groups, which is just jargon speak. They're saying, yeah, it's got fancier DNA so that there's more they can rebuild out of it because the, the DNA that was left had more information in it about how to essentially rebuild what it came from. So if it was a human hand, could they have done that? Well, maybe they could have put the human back together, but would there be any memories or anything like that? Probably not. Yeah, yeah. Well, and 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 they take it actually to like sort of a re- they call it a reconstruction device basically. Mm-hmm. And it turns it into it turns it takes this one hand and they're able to turn it into sort of a, like you were mentioning, like a human-like quote-unquote individual uh called Lilu, which is the um which is the person kind of that embodies the fifth element, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have, and like you mentioned, you had the other four stones that represent the other four elements. And she is able, and she was able to escape the lab because, uh, because she like didn't know her surroundings, didn't know what was going on. Right. Like you have all of these, like, you know, people like in, I don't, I wouldn't say hazmat suits, but they were definitely in like some sort of like, sort of jumpsuits you know yeah so it was so it was futuristic lab wear uh yeah one of the which brings one of the notes i was going to bring up is the uh john paul gautier does all of the costumes in the entire movie Mm, if you're paying mm -hmm. attention that's a lot (laughs) this this movie has even more costumes than a lot of other costumes and usually it's sort of a group of people working you know and obviously he has people helping him but he designed all of the costumes in this movie and one of them is those lab coats um so they're yeah. essentially just futuristic lab coats. Now, apparently, uh, Jean-Paul Gaultier, when you say future to him, he thinks latex. Because if you're paying attention, <laughs> about a third of the outfits in the have some element to them that is that is latex in there. And so in this case, those lab coats, yeah, they're just latex coats. Yeah, right. Well, and, and speaking, of, uh, speaking of materials, right? Like, mm-hmm. here's what I'll say is that, you know, Lelou being... Sp- spooked out by all of these people and being inside this tube like I, I i can't i can't blame her right like i can't blame her because if i was in that situation i don't know if i would react quite the same way that she did but i would definitely uh i would definitely be freaking out for sure oh yeah totally. you know and yeah and and then because she's a, a a supreme being um you know she has extra strength and all that stuff allows her to break out most humans wouldn't be able to get out of the you know because there's a bit there where she punches through the glass. Yeah, uh, right. And takes this thing and opens it up. Uh, interesting, if you're watching close enough, you know, after you've seen it three or four times, you start to notice you can actually see where they've pre-cut that so that she can punch Oh, the no glass. way. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, because I was going to ask, like, what, what are those lab walls made out of? Like gold foil? Like- oh, yeah, they probably were made out of gold foil. But yeah. in, in universe, I mean, she she breaks through the roof of the cab like say basically uninjured so you know they yeah. could have been a little stronger than that and she would have still been able to yeah yeah also uh also a quick side note about that scene by the way uh there was this funny moment when the scientist uh it, it, it apparently needed to take pictures for quote-unquote archival purposes and oh, i'm like military guy yeah yeah and i'm like yeah okay sure I, i'm sure oh, yeah, that's no, that... what you needed buddy <laughs> oh yeah no everybody was making that yeah, you need archival. Yeah, no, it's a, yeah, I call BS <laughs> on that one. I'm just saying. <laughs> yep, pretty much. But uh, I always thought, like throughout the movie, um, we we see that Lelu kind of um, learns how to speak English kind of throughout the movie, and I always mm-hmm. thought that it was interesting at the very beginning. Lelu kind of can understand English a little bit, but can't really speak it right. Um, and and I thought that was an interesting. Um, I thought that was an interesting thing. Uh, of course, she has a special computer that gives her all this, you know, well, crazy okay. information computer too. Is special, she just borrows whatever computer is handy at the time. Uh, yeah, yeah, terrible different. Uh, 
and and her ability to pick up on speech is just one of those things where um last time she was around five thousand years ago english didn't even exist right uh, but she was probably able to you know through being a supreme being probably with a little more you know intelligence uh just ability to put the pieces together faster sure she doesn't come out of the box knowing english it's obvious that she's picking it up she's just picking it up at a really accelerated rate yeah for sure and well and and that was crazy when they got to the w's and it started showing all those war images on the computer and you could yeah. tell that that really messed her up like oh, yeah. as anybody as anyone would oh, right yeah yeah but um, I, I always I, I also found it funny that like <laughs> I, I I guess this is also a product of being around for five thousand years is that like <laughs> she just kept undressing just right in front of people just don't, doesn't even care about going into a changing room or anything and they just have to turn around and they have this like close up shot of of mm-hmm. the two people because it's usually two people who are yeah. witnessing this happen like that that was that was an interesting. I, that was a good cinematography uh, choice by yeah. the director oh, yeah. on that. It's, it's clever. You know, uh, societal norms will change a lot over 5,000 years and, and you, know, you know, stop. So, yeah, she yeah. Just probably didn't realize. Yeah, didn't yeah, realize. yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, someone will tell <laughs> someone will tell her but, afterwards. <laughs> but it's a good it's a good gag. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Here, I will say I did have I did have one minor gripe about this movie, but. In retrospect, I understand why this needed to happen, but while I was watching the movie for the first time, it kind of annoyed me. And the fact and it and it's the fact that like they really spent like the first half of the movie, like there's a lot of setup to this movie. Like the first half of the movie almost is pretty much dedicated to setting up everything in the movie because there's honestly so much going on in the movie. And and I completely understand, like, it was it was necessary for the story's sake to include all of that. But, like, for me, it was, like, as a first-time watcher, like, it was, like, I was, I did find myself getting a little bored at some points, or I'm just, like, just get to the point, dude. Like, I get why they did it in retrospect, but I was mm-hmm. a little frustrated at the, at the first half of this movie. I don't know. Yeah, no, I can see that. Uh, keep in mind that... Uh, for 1997, it looks like this was a runtime of two hours and six minutes. That was actually a long for 1997. They, um, these days, when we got three, four-hour movies, nobody bats an eye. But back then, mm-hmm. there was probably some discussion about could they cut anything else out of that movie. And that might be to your point that there was a lot happening at the beginning of that movie that you, you kind of can't cut or the rest of the story doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, so yeah there's, a, there's a bit of setup. I like to think that they make that setup interesting, though. It's really fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. I mm, I don't know. Like, there were some moments that I was just like, eh, I don't know. Like, th- all I'll say is they could have they could have done a better job at it. That, that's all I'll say is like it wasn't bad. They could have it could have been better. But okay. But uh, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, yep, it is. So <laughs> 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 so. Uh, I, I'll, have more, I'll have more to say in the final review. So uh, I, I feel like it's important to go over the characters because there really is a lot to keep in mind, right? So you have mm-hmm. you have Corbin Dallas, who is played by Bruce Willis, and he is kind of the, you know, he is the hero who that, you know, who saves the day, right? Like he, you know, yeah. I, I, I suppose it's a typical Bruce Willis role that like he is um he is the hero well, in the story i suppose it's so typical that oftentimes this movie is referred to as die hard in space oh honestly that I, that i feel like that that you could draw a lot of parallels i i think i yeah. i think i can agree with that statement given the fact that i have also seen die hard uh yeah i can agree <laughs> with that statement to a certain extent um but you have corbin dallas you know and 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 he and he is the one like he's sort of like the main character that is kind of you know getting pulled from a bunch of different um sides in this movie because you've got like kind of you have like kind of two fractions basically three kind of if you want to if you want to count you know different different section different groups of people right so you have the alien protectors um uh, and you'll have to help me with the pronunciation on this. The Mondo, uh, Mondo what? They, they say Mondo Chewin in the movie, even though it's spelled Mondo Chowin. 
It's, ah, okay. It's, they, they say Montechuan a lot. Yeah, Mon- Montechuan. Okay, yeah. So you got the Montechuans. Although you could technically also put the priest in with this group, kind of, because mm-hmm. they're kind of working together. But for yeah. now, let's let's keep them separate. You've got this group who like shows up at the beginning of the film, right? And is kind of there through the rest of the film, but not really. Um, you have the the Mangalores, um, who are the evil, um, who are the evil alien species who are uh, working with Zorg, who Zorg kind of fulfills the classic, you know, evil villain, quote unquote, role, right? Yeah, I, I would say that, yes, although they fall on the evil side of the groupings, uh, the Mangalores themselves don't appear to be terribly uh, evil. They just seem more like they're mercenaries. Yeah, they're sort of like the minions of Zorg, almost like because kind of Zorg, fulfilling because that Zorg role. Because Zorg's really hiring them. That's the whole deal with the traits mm. of the ZF ones. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, they're basically henchmen at that point, basically. Yeah. So yeah. Um. And w- but, but what's interesting too is that like they f- fulfill kind of the evil villain role, but they are they are apparently not part of the great evil, which is that big, you know, like that big um, planet that's mm-hmm. like about to, you know, for all intents and purposes, crash into earth, so to speak. Um, yeah. And there, and it's, and like, they're the ones that are attacking every 300 years that, you know, and everyone's trying to keep the fifth element away from in the first place, to be honest. Right. Yeah. And well, interest, yeah. interestingly, uh, Zord is sort of the henchman for the big evil. Uh, because if you remember, he was talking about, his costs have tripled. So clearly the big evil had promised to pay him something. Mm-hmm. So essentially you had a hierarchy of people just hiring other people. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, another movie where there's an evil um, corporate ladder, <laughs> another yeah. one of those movies. <laughs> Sorry, you were saying. Yeah. Oh, uh, the, the thing I think funny though, is if evil had its way, there'd be nobody left to pay anyways. So yeah, evil could promise anything. So when he's like, Oh my cost triple evil's like, yeah, sure. No problem. Because you're not going to be here for me to pay anyways. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause like when, the, when they win everything, it's like, it will, it won't matter at that point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then finally you have uh Cornelius and I, I was trying to figure out who the, who is like sort of intern that was working with him. His name is apparently David mm-hmm. and, and they're trying to fulfill the mission at first without Corbin. And, and it's interesting that they are, that they like basically steal the trip tickets from, from, un, from out under him. Right. Yeah. As they're, and they're, and they're trying to fulfill the mission themselves without Corbin. And which, which by the way, those tickets were won by Corbin who won through a rigged contest that the government uh, put in place. Interesting. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but here's my question though. Like, why do they not initially want, to get Corbin involved in this? Like, why did they keep him out of it initially? Well, essentially it's their job. So they've been waiting around. So even though, you know, it's been 5,000 years since last thing, specifically mm. the events that happened in the beginning of the movie were a couple of hundred years. Previous was 300, I believe. Uh, and so they've been spending the last 300 years essentially preparing for this day. Mm-hmm. And so they thought it was their job. So they were just trying to do their job, not realizing that, Corbin would actually be able to help them out quite a bit, you know? And so if you're watching how the beginning of the movie develops, nobody really knows what is actually going on because they don't, you know, some things don't become clear until later on. Mm -hmm. So they're just reacting to things as is. So when they see Corbin initially, he's just the guy who brought the fifth element to them. That's Mm, it. He's not a guy that's, they don't know he was in the military. They don't know his background. They don't know he's going to kick everybody's asses, you know, all that stuff. They just go, Oh, he's just some guy. We got to get rid of them so we can go do our job. Right. So it's a, so it's an unpredictable, um, it's an unpredictable uh, wild card in their minds, you know, like the the only reason they even come back is because they rigged the contest. And so they, the only way they could get to Floston was that was the only ticket left was, Mm. was the two tickets that Corbin had won. Right. The only reason they come back to him is because the military had rigged the contest so that he could go. Yeah, which so is hilarious. Sort of brings, so we so initially they would have gone their separate ways, but because of the way the contest was rigged, it sort of brought everybody back together. Right. So, yeah. Well, yeah. and it and it kind of forced them to work together, you know, towards because yeah, because because at first I was like, hmm, that's interesting that they're not working together. 
but then but then they slowly start to realize that oh yeah no we do need to work together to to figure this and, out right and honestly the movie would be pretty boring if all the good guys realized there were good guys at the beginning <laughs> true true that's, you, that's fair. a lot of the stuff that happens to get them to you know that they how they interact with each other yeah by the way uh another side note here real quick because we were talking about the government and how the government rigged the uh the contest we were talking about this just before we started recording but mm-hmm. the president is pretty bad at his job like can, can we well, just agree um uh, i'm not gonna say bad at his job okay um, his job isn't necessarily to actually do anything um yeah which unfortunately uh kind of correlates to how our government's built the, the president <laughs> doesn't do anything true uh, the president's there to tell other people to do things and to you know sort of talk a lot but actually he the president is not a man of action so in this case uh his character sort of acts as a way to tie certain elements together because he can be listening in on one thing while talking to somebody else who isn't president at the other place. So some of the plot elements can be tied together through sure. the president's office in, in, in this case. And so he works. So even though in the movie, in the, in the world of the movie, he isn't doing much uh, as far as making the movie work. The fact that he's in the movie and has an office and people are going in and out of that office uh, helps move the movie along really well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and um, <laughs> I, I, en- I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed th- this moment a lot. So while Corbin and uh, it, while Corbin is boarding the plane with Le- Lilo, you, <laughs> you, you randomly have this radio DJ who is assigned to basically, <laughs> from my understanding, basically sort of be like the commentator uh like the color commentary of this guy's trip which is an interesting well, so, sort of proposition you uh, know he, he's what he's what happens when you take howard stern and add you know 200 years <laughs> yeah right no that's <laughs> is, that's true is he's got to keep escalating things even further so he's just gotten crazy but yeah that's he's just a radio dj and yeah he's just trying to make interesting content yeah uh which is why to his chagrin when dallas turns out to be not terribly interesting he's like okay we gotta do something about that <laughs> yeah right yeah no he, he's like yeah no like give me some more action here man come on what are you doing <laughs> yeah. uh also interesting to note is uh i you haven't seen the movie friday have you no i have not no okay uh the president and ruby rod are both uh the actors that play them are both also in the movie friday so it's kind of hilarious when because oh. I saw Friday before I saw this movie. So I'm hoping that, you know, uh, and so it was always funny watching it. At a certain point, I'm like, okay, it's a little like Friday. Mm. <laughs> you, got, you got Debo and you got, uh, oh, I'm blanking on his name, uh, Chris Tucker's character. but Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Chris Tucker's character is very similar to his character in Friday. Uh, and uh, Debo is just a guy who goes around and gets what he wants. And so even though, not quite the same character as the president still still kind of similar yeah yeah just but anyways yeah no well and 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 here's what i'll say too about like i love how they introduced the radio uh, i love how they introduced him and he because he just like comes out of nowhere right it's just like Mm -hmm. hey he's got this like big party and of course he could do an entire radio show from just a single microphone i mean it is the 23rd century after all so they figured that out by now (laughs) but yeah uh, but there's some detail in that staff if you notice there's little knobs and things up on the end and and buttons down the side you know and then oh and the other thing i like is uh he changes like he wraps it so it matches his outfit so it starts off he's wearing the leopard outfit the staff is leopard. When he switches to the black outfit, the staff is black. Oh, I did not notice that. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Okay. No, that's a nice little attention to detail there. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I, I, I got to say, though, as a as a podcaster and streamer, like, I wish my I wish my audio setup could be as simple as just having one mic. I mean, we might get there <laughs> one. We might get there one day. But uh, for now, <laughs> we still got uh, we still got mixers and mics and XLR cables to deal with. <laughs> yeah. So and it's also like it was also kind of in that like like silver sort of like mic style you know what i'm talking about like it, it, one of those like old school sort of like visually aesthetic mics sort of I, I don't know how to describe it you know yeah it, it is interesting some of the stuff in this movie because it's so far in the future um it, it some of the you know props and things like that 
obviously have to call back so you can recognize them. But I think that's just the thing is there's a lot of stuff we do today. So, for example, when you're on your computer, the save icon is a floppy disk for fuck's sake. So who, who oh, uses right. a floppy disk, right? Mm-hmm. And, and when you answer your phone, it's an old style headset icon. Nobody right. uses a headset like that. Anymore. So, yeah, the microphones are still kind of going to look like microphones if you really want them to. If they want to hide the microphones, you don't see them. You won't see them at all. But if sure. they want you to know it's a microphone, they're going to make it look a little bit like a microphone. Yeah, sure. No, it's the, uh, yeah, no, I guess, I guess it's kind of like the uh, the Google Glass problem, so to speak, where, yeah. like, everyone, <laughs> everyone, uh, everyone hated it because it did not look like glasses. If it looked more like glasses, I wonder if people would have hated it less you know yeah probably <laughs> so anyway but uh here's what here's an interesting thing cuz i was wondering because we have flying cars in this movie right which we'll 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 talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about um in a moment here but but we have flying cars and i was wondering why they needed to board a plane if you have flying cars and it turns mm-hmm. out that it's because um they're going to a cruise ship that's in outer space so i guess if you need to go outside of the earth's orbit that's when you take an airplane now like that's what they're reserved well, for <laughs> well it was a spaceship so there's that uh yeah yeah now the the movie never really goes anywhere else on earth um all the earth parts happen in new york so there's no need for them to go anywhere else in the country or planet mm-hmm. uh, so it's possible they have planes or something to replace planes or shuttles or something like that that are, you know are suborbital that sort of thing. We just don't plot reasons. Don't have a reason to see that. So I wouldn't say they yeah. don't have an equivalent of an airplane because uh, the cars themselves didn't seem to be terribly fast. Yeah. So I think it would be a pain to go long distances in those vehicles. Oh yeah, yeah. With those cars, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they seem yeah. more suited for heavy, you know, multi. It, it felt like it was just like you know cars only. They're flying. Like, it, you yeah. know, it, it's not like they went any faster. It's not like it, you still got from point A to point B in about the same time you would. You know, yeah. it's just that you know, it's just it's just that they're flying now. And that's really it. <laughs> well, yeah. And so that allows you more lanes of traffic because you can stack the traffic on top of it. Right. Know, so. As we saw in uh, that, Back to the Future Part that, Two. So, yeah, that seems to be the only real benefit to the flying cars is is the ability to to make your city a little more vertical and get more people through yeah i'm still seems to be about it i'm still upset that we don't that we don't have flying cars like back to the future lied to us <laughs> well there's a uh kevin smith did a uh short film about that's eh, a joke about you I, i'll send you the link sometime yeah 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 fair <laughs> enough no i i i can imagine it's, it's really it's Randall good and dante in traffic talking about why they don't have flying cars yeah yeah fair enough but uh, I I thought it was also interesting that um, during these flights, your sleep is regulated. And that is something that I wish current flights had. Like I because I I am I, I unfortunately cannot sleep during flights like I, and I hate it. Like I I envy the people that can sleep through f- flights because it takes so damn long and it's so frustrating. Like that would be awesome if we had some sort of like sleep regulation with flights today like that'd be really awesome <laughs> yeah that, that that brings up the one part of the movie that um i've just decided to turn my brain off for uh mm-hmm. is how the timeline works uh given physics uh with uh with so, the oh with the sleep regulation so, well yeah so so the trick is is the reason you would do sleep regulation is because it's a long flight right but mm-hmm. everything in this movie is in a hurry they don't have a lot of time for stuff so why do they have time for a long flight that would require sleep then there's the addition mm. of the specifically called a light speed drive and if they're going at light speed for the passengers on the plane no time would have passed why would they need to sleep right they to get there right when they left even though any amount of time could have passed in between you know so it's just i like it because it makes the movie interesting but if you look too closely at it uh it, it <laughs> It points out how all the physics. In, the it, in other words, if you're a pedant, uh, you're going crazy. <laughs> yeah. So for, fortunately, I wasn't paying too much attention. You know, it's it's only a multiple rewatchings. Every time my brain right. gets a little bit more of yeah, okay, the physics just don't add up in this movie. But yeah, uh, no, but that's fortunately I like the movie enough that I I sort of yeah I was, yeah I was gonna say it's a movie. It's not supposed to. So yeah, yeah. but um, I'll, 
why I, I gotta say too though like like why did they I don't I don't know it's like I, I get why I get why but why did they have to make the flight attendants close so skimpy on that flight like you're gonna I don't have know. to ask Jean-Paul Gaultier about that yeah fair <laughs> and what and what was up with that radio uh, the with the radio DJ like just going down on one of the flight attendants like in the middle of I like He's a superstar. They just do this. They can get away with that sort of stuff, I guess. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, I mean, because that doesn't raise any problems. <laughs> it was 97, I guess. I mean, we weren't worried about that stuff back then. Well, okay. So, pointed out, the movie was made in 97, and yeah, maybe it wasn't a big deal then. But also, the movie happens a couple of hundred years from now, where maybe it's not a problem. Mm, okay, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, they arrive at the cruise ship, right? And um, and they go to this. Uh, th- they go to this performance. It's like kind of a. Um, I, at best, I can describe it as it's kind of like an opera show on the cruise ship, right? Yeah, no, and it's good opera. Yeah, yeah. And the performer on stage, uh, um, her name is Diva, which, I, from my understanding, mm-hmm. is like so. So it, it's it's kind of like a. I don't know. Help me describe. Um, help me describe this. Um, the diva character. Well, so it's an opera singer, but she's clearly alien. Right. Got lots of noodly bits, and she's blue. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. No, I, I, it sounded and, like you were gonna object to something I was gonna say. No, sorry. And and is, and is Billy? Was it Billy? No, uh, it's Lee Evans. It's Fog. Fog is the character I'm thinking of. It's Fog. Uh, okay. It takes a while because I don't know if they ever say his name in the in the thing. He's he's the the crew member in the in the getup that stands outside the thing. It was it was uh, welcoming Diva. Oh, okay. And, and he goes, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> what, what what was that? It didn't get it didn't get picked up on the audio. Well, it barely gets picked up in the movie, but he he, he's, he oh, gets weirded yeah. out by how tall she is because of the newly bit on her head makes her taller. So, gotcha. Um, I see. Um, also, and- she appears to be um, somewhat um, telepathic. Mm. In that when she communicates with her um, entourage, she doesn't seem to talk to them. She just sort of looks at them, and they get understand kind of thing. So, oh, okay, interesting. Well, and, and, and she's and it turns out that she's the one that has all the stones, right? Because they were intercepted at one point. And 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 I will say this was the one part of the movie that's kind of foggy for me as to how the stones got retrieved by well, by Diva. Yeah. So the, so the trick is, is the Montecuans, uh are slow, but they're not stupid. Uh, gotcha. They realize that putting all five of the elements together uh, just is asking for somebody else to get all of them all at once. So they right. separated them. So in advance, so they took Lilu to Earth. In advance, they gave the stones to her so she could take them to get them to Earth a different route. So that gotcha. So well, and of course she is the all. fifth element, right? So yeah. So, so that adds a layer of complexity to it as well. I, yeah. I also I also love how Corbin had to do psychic surgery basically to retrieve the uh, the stones from Diva. Like, did you notice yeah. that? Like, it's basically psychic <laughs> surgery. <laughs> Except it wasn't. He was yeah, actually pulling yeah. stones out of her. But yeah, it does remind you of the psychic surgery bit. Yeah, right? yeah, for sure. Yeah, it reminds me of the uh, reminds me of uh, Brushwood's uh, psychic surgery he does. Yeah. Um. So I do have a couple of questions. Speaking of uh, speaking of things that um that don't really add up for me. I had, I had, I, I had this realization after watching the movie about the uh, bomb that Zork planted in the, um, mm-hmm. in the cruise ship. First of all, I, it, 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 it was, it was set with a 10 minute count. Excuse me. It, ha- it was set with a 10 minute countdown, right? Mm-hmm. So why did it take five minutes for the bomb alerts to start going off? And for, um, everyone to start evacuating um, the uh, the cruise ship. Like, wouldn't you think yep. that like once a bomb gets placed, it would um, it would immediately trigger something? Like, what took so long? No, it's a traditional arms race kind of deal. Uh, when you got really fancy bomb detectors, you get even fancier bombs. Uh, also, Zorg, by the way, has basically infinite resources. Did you see those F ones? By the way, those things are amazing. Mm. So when he brings a bomb, he brings a fancy bomb. It's really small. You can stick it on the door. 
It uses a little card for the thing. And so it's so fancy, it takes five minutes for the bomb detectors to detect. Yeah, except it's not fancy enough because the the Mangalores are able to override Zorg's bomb timer somehow no. and are able to start no. it back up. See, the Mangalore's bomb was even simpler because if you notice, it was the size of a case. So this is, mm. this is maybe you misunderstood what happened. Okay. Zorg deactivates his bomb. His bomb's right. out of the equation. Right, but right. the Mangalores still wanted the bomb to go off. They had brought their own bomb and left it there. When they were ransacking the room, they left a bomb in the room. And so oh. when they do their timer, if you're watching, it comes out of another case in the room. Okay, but but why? Okay, okay. But it, it just happens to start at the same exact moment as the other one, I guess. Yeah, it's creative license. It comes to, there's some really clever editing in the movie where how they tie some of the stuff together. And that's one of those uh, where, mm. you know, uh, there, there's a couple of other bits where that happens when, uh, when they get done with the diva song, you know, that's happens to be when Lilo gets done fighting the Mangalores, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they tie that together where, uh, you know, the, just the way the editing it works really well. Um, yeah, there's a couple other places, and I'm not I'm blanking on where they are, but there's just ways they edit the bits together where they flows really well, and so that's just yeah. one of those creative license things. There's no specific reason that their bomb had to start at the exact same time mm. it was left on the other one, but it did. Because yeah, it was fun because story, right? Yep. <laughs> but uh, they do eventually. So the 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 crew. So um, you got Cornelius. Um, uh, Corbin, Lelu, and David all, um, you know, arriving to the ancient temple because bear in mind, they were able to, um, they were able to take out, um, Zorg, right? But they're not done, right? Because they have to go, still go back to the ancient temple where they were at the very beginning of the film and, um, and do this whole, like, like, I, I guess you could describe it as sort of like a ritual almost with the, with the stones and everything. And, um, and, uh, and it's the same one where we meet the, 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 Mo- the Mondo Sean Mondo. Sean. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. At the start of the movie. And, and it's also where Corn, I, I believe it was Cornelius, right? Cause it was Cornelius who was doing the, um, doing the, uh, looking at the, um, at the ancient, um, inscriptions and trying to interpret them. Right. Like, so he, and he's the one that receives the key initially. Right. No, that was his predecessor. Oh, keep oh, mind, oh, yeah, that's what mind, that was three hundred years previous. So, oh, yeah, no, that's yeah, fair that point. Long. Yeah, good point. And so that was that's where the priesthood uh, was. The priesthood was keeping. Do we you know? know do we know that character's name? Uh, I'd have to look it up. It's, yeah, I don't know if it was ever mentioned because um, we know Cornelius's name, but we I don't know if we know. Uh, so there's that Professor Piccoli who was looking at the wall. Right. Yeah. Well, and and he's the one that was. Uh, Oh, okay. Yeah. So he was the professor. And then because, and this actually gets into what I was going to say next. Cause that, um, assistant that was helping him, like the professor's like, uh, um, <laughs> they needed more light to see what the, uh, to see what was going on. And then the spaceship comes in with this beaming light right at the exact moment. I was like, well, that's one way to solve that problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a, there's a couple of bits in the movie. That's, that's one of them where occasionally I'll say is he's light, you know, if there's, something dark uh there's a couple mm. other things that i will say that are references to this movie like one is uh thanks ray mm. because okay. ray's stone deaf and he can't he can't hear corbin saying the gun the gun so he rolls him some billiard balls instead oh okay that's Corbin's like thanks ray it's totally <laughs> not helpful. oh yeah that's right like i'm vaguely remembering that scene now that you mentioned that yeah no that yeah. was great <laughs> I was some people and then, and then oh go ahead sorry and then the other one is commercial commercial oh right 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 yeah commercial <laughs> yeah oh man yeah that, that that was great so some people in the watch party and and red and and, and I ha- kind of had this I had this issue with them uh as well I I can't remember if you or someone else brought it up in the watch party but uh, um, somebody else, somebody else did. Uh, I generally agree with them. It's it's yeah. It's a well, thing let me well, let me well, let me let me describe yeah. the problem first before we get into it. But yeah. so the problem was is that the way that the match, uh, the way that the match was lit, because they're they're trying to discover like how to unlock uh, unlock quote unquote the stones and you know get them to work right. And of course they figure out let's like oh fire we got to start a fire. Uh, does anyone have a match? And he just happens to have one match left in his little uh, box. Uh, mm-hmm. And 
and people were annoyed because it um it the way that he lit the match, like it almost could have gotten put out and the whole plan would have not worked uh, at all. Um, had, had they like messed it up, like it, like it was almost, it was almost like a really major mess up on the plan. Almost. Oh, oh yeah, totally. Uh, it, you know, that was one of those things where there was more of a dramatic license thing where they were making it more dramatic than it needed to be, but you know, so they could draw it out. It's right. Know, it's, right. It, it's sort of the, it, it it's, the denouement of the movie. I mean, it's it's where the end. It, so they got to make it exciting, and that's one of the ways they try to make it exciting. So um, yeah, and so they drag it out more than is necessary. However, uh, it ties into something which uh, I, I I would call Chekhov's matches uh, because in the first bit when you first are introduced to Corbin, uh, there's that gimmick on the wall, the four a day. You know, you're trying to quit where the c- cigarettes, as near as I can tell, every day the the filters get longer and the cigarette gets shorter on those oh yeah yeah right when he first pulls that uh the first one out of there he finds he's searching he finds his matches and he opens up the box and there are three matches in the box Mm. that's very near the beginning of the movie when that happens which means another uses one yeah uh, which means another match at used at some point right yeah and then there's a point a couple of scenes later where he pulls the second uh cigarette out of the thing and he use, and it takes him longer this time but he does eventually use the second match to, on that one mm-hmm. and so that leaves him with one match for the end of the movie and then you kind of forget about the matches right so yeah yeah uh, yeah they they bring up those matches very early in the movie so yeah yeah keep track <laughs> yeah of course uh of course everything ends with corbin and leilu together at the very end like you know it's of course it of course it had to end with uh with them you know, being together and everything. Although I, 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 the only reason I bring that up is because it was funny because Corbett tried to wake uh, Lelu up earlier with a kiss mm-hmm. and like basically got like and it that like that fired back real quick at him. And, um, and, and it was because he didn't get consent, which he had to find out through corn through, um, <laughs> through Lalo's translate, like Cornelius was translating it for him. And, and that's how we found out like that. That was great. Well, like that, that was funny. Generally you shouldn't kiss people out of consent, but there's actually a big right. point there. Um, and this ties back to why the fifth element is, is probably love. And mm-hmm. even though they never explicitly state it because early on, it's not going to work because they don't know each other. So if he kisses her, then, you know, it's that doesn't work. So she, he shouldn't be kissing her at that point because there's no love involved. Mm, interesting. And then at the end of the movie, she's almost demanding that he kiss him because right. that's how, because she knows that's how, what makes it work. But if she tells him what to do, then, it, you know, it's not love at that point. He's kind of got to do it of his own volition. Mm. So, so that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. That that kiss, that kiss early in the movie contrasts heavily with the kiss at the end of the movie. Uh-huh. Right. So, that's inter- so that's actually interesting. kind of a major plot point. Uh, and it, not yeah, just a you, yeah, you don't even, you, you don't even realize it yeah. until you get to that point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, real quick, let's lightning, let's l- lightning round through this. Like, I, mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit more about, cause we, we mentioned a few things in the last section. I want to talk about, uh, because this is kind of a future, another futuristic film, right? Like, so, mm-hmm. so this is another film where we get to analyze like what, what people thought, um, in 1997, what everything would look like in 2263, Right. Which yeah. which is which is kind of interesting because, you know, obviously we are way off from that actually being a thing. Right. I, mm-hmm. I, I have to, I have I have to imagine that it, if this ever uh, if this year ever comes about um, it, it, on Earth in 200 years from now, like I feel like I feel like if people are going to laugh hysterically at how bad they got this wrong when we get to 2263. Oh, they- like, they certainly will because uh, when 2015 rolled around, they made massive amounts of fun of, of uh, Back to the Future's uh, portrayal of 2015. Right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, so they're gonna have a field day with this movie. I can oh, yeah. imagine. <laughs> yeah, <totally>. But uh, <laughs> but you, but it's interesting what they thought a futuristic apartment would look like. Um, it, then like because you know they could they could have never predicted the fact that we would have you know touch screens and smartphones and everything um in the future 
So it's yeah. interesting what they think um, the future looks like. And it's like already they've got thing, fu- fundamental things incredibly wrong with the fact that they still have a phone that's, you know, connected to the wall and stuff where we've got oh, smartphones uh, these days. Maybe they've just gotten away from screens and gone back to just using handsets like that. Mm, but yeah, yeah, maybe. No, there's, maybe. Yeah. No, it's it's unlikely that we'll end up at that point. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, right. The, the thing I did like about the uh, department, though, was how automated it was. It was a yeah. lot of stuff you didn't have to deal with. Uh, the trick was, is if you look at the exterior, there's a brief exterior shot of the building. Mm-hmm. The brain always tries to fit together the moving bits. Is When that fridge goes into the floor, where's the space on the apartment below them where that fridge fits? Oh, right. Yeah, because <laughs> you've got the shower and the fridge kind of all in the same so the- section yeah, there the, right the, the the shower sort of in, there's tracks in it so it looks like the shower collapses so the fridge fills up most of the shower space there's clearly enough yeah. left for lilo to fit in at, right at point, right i was just gonna mention a that lot. yeah um but the fridge itself when it goes on the floor it has to go somewhere and if you look at the exterior of the building it looks like each each apartment is just sort of a square <laughs> So also the, fa- the, also the fact that together, the shower yeah. got turned on automatically while Lalo is up there. Like, how, well, does, how did that happen? <laughs> the auto wash. They explain that. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. <laughs> so because you don't want your shower getting all mildewy just because you got out of it and it closed itself up. That's oh, just right. Yeah, that. yeah. No, yeah, that's a quality of life thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but but I think if you get really creative about how you stack those together and how it's done, I think it works, but it. My brain always just tries to make a puzzle out of it every time I see that that <laughs> shot of the outside of the building and try to make that yeah. match up with where the bits are on the inside. Right, because presumably everybody has that in their apartment. Mm-hmm. I, I assume it's a futuristic yep. apartment, right? Like it, it works yeah. kind of that way, right? And so like everybody presumably has this. And so well, you like can a, see the other the other guy's room briefly and he has basically the same layout in his. Right, you know, right. So. so yeah, no, yeah, there's some there's some logistical things that that need some sort of explaining that we'll never get, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, but right away Corbin uh, gets run up on, um, and apparently he 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 gets run up on a lot because he has quite the collection of guns in his uh, in his closet, right? Although I he is ex military, so maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. Oh, like, yeah, so so it's possible some of those guns were already his. Pop. Sure, sure. But um, they do kind of make it appear that his apartment is probably not in the best part of town. Yeah, that's so, yeah, that's the idea I'm getting from that. Yeah, it, it's possible that happens quite frequently and he's just used to dealing with it. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Although that although that guy apparently was more clever than most because he got a compliment on his uh, hat that appeared made it look like. Right. Yeah. Corbin. That, yeah. Corbin actually <laughs> makes that. Yeah. Compliment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. Also, uh, here's what's interesting, too, is that we're we're now talking about um, here in the year 2022 about um, licenses being a part of your smartphone now um, to mm. where hopefully, I mean, potentially you might not even need to carry a physical license in the future if everything works itself out. But it's interesting mm. that you have to insert your license into your vehicle and that's basically your your keys, quote unquote, in the future. Yeah. So, so this is another case of what didn't you see in the movie? So, like earlier, it's possible they have planes, but there was no plot reason to show it. Um, right. We never actually see the interior of any other vehicle other than a police vehicle. Right. And in the police vehicle, um, I'm going to have to watch for this next time I watch. I don't recall seeing a place where their multipass was inserted. Mm. Uh, also, it's not a license. It's a multipass. Oh, right, right, right. I'm sorry. (laughs) And so it's possible that that's uh, a mechanism that they uh, use on cabs, you know, because it's not his car. Oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah. It's possible multiple people end up using the same cab to, you know, and so that's a way for them to make sure that the person operating the cab is authorized to do so. Right, right. That's Whereas personal vehicles, you know, it's possible they don't go to that length. Mm Hmm. All right. Well, I don't know. That's uh, yeah, that's something we'll have to keep an eye out for in the next uh, rewatch. But um, <laughs> I, I will say, though, like the and the computer decides like how many I, I don't know. It's like the computer tells you how many points you have on your license mm-hmm. now, which is interesting. And, and, and I will say the cops haven't been turned into robots in the future yet. So, I mean, you know, they do have yeah. human cops still. So 
hey, at least that job didn't get automated. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, interesting that they um, <laughs> the only it seems seems like we there's only I, I mean this is obviously for corporate sponsorships and stuff, but <laughs> there's only there only seems to be McDonald's um, of in the future as the only fast food option in the future. But what what was interesting to me is that the drive through was on the opposite side, which here's my here's my um, here's my thinking on this. Right. I wonder if the reasoning behind this choice was because they have a. I wonder if they have a second drive through on the other side and it and it kind of works kind of like a rallies or a checkers would almost like that. that yeah. That's my theory on that. But we but, yeah. that, but it's never it's- answered. Yeah, it's it's entirely possible because we don't see much of that. Um, now, I don't want to ruin Demo Man for you, but it's it's not like they went so far as to explicitly state that McDonald's is the only fast food restaurant left. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's possible that was a corporate sponsorship for the movie. Oh, yeah, no, that's why I gave that restaurant. caveat at the beginning. <laughs> so, yeah, it's interesting that McDonald's is the only one they show. But um, as far as the drive through, I think the logic on that one, which I don't necessarily agree with, is because it's on the side of the building facing traffic. Mm-hmm. That allows the vehicle to go through with the flow of traffic rather than have to turn around essentially in the middle of what you would call a street in mm. order to get to the window. Yeah. So mm. now as far as if you're the only person in your car, uh, yeah, that, is that convenient or not? Yeah, that makes it a little more inconvenient. Although I guess everything is wireless these days at this point. So, I mean, yeah. you know. How much do you really have to? Uh, how much do you really have to interact with the person in twenty two sixty three? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I agree that seems a little awkward the way they put that together. Yeah, yeah. But they they do. Ha- we apparently do have fly up food carts in the future, which I thought was actually yeah. pretty cool. Like that Chinese like um, fly up food cart that was yeah. that just flew up to that guy's house. Like I want this so bad. Like this would be so cool. It's it's the lot it's the logical next step in food trucks. Yeah, Imagine if you could just call up a food truck, the whole food truck would show up and, and give you food. But yeah, no, uh, that would be cool. Yeah, it's not that practical. So I wonder how much that lunch cost. <laughs> yeah, no, it probably <laughs> He's a, a, tying up the whole cart. The oh whole yeah, time. easily probably a hundred dollars, and of course that's adjusted for inflation. <laughs> yeah, who knows if they're using dollars anymore? Or yeah, no, that's true too. Yeah, could be all Bitcoin by then. <laughs> but uh, I'll uh, and to wrap it up, let's uh, I'll go over some of my uh, favorite moments that we that we didn't get to mention previously. So the fact that the priest keeps passing out, like it, it's kind of a stupid joke, admittedly, but it's still funny nonetheless. You know, <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Uh, I love uh, it, it does oh, it yeah. does explain why he can't be the guy um who does the actual thing. Oh yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. For sure. Would just keep passing out and nothing will get done. Yeah. I think this was a uh, I think this was a quote from the radio DJ uh, commenting on the fact that he's a meat popsicle. Uh, no, it's Corbin Dallas when the uh, police show up. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, and and basically what he was saying is I'm chill. Mm. He, right? Cuz he's, you know, they're doing the stuff and he's like, "No, I'm cool." Oh, right? so that's but a fancy way of saying that. Very, yeah, it's just a fancy way of saying you're cool because you're a meat popsicle. You're you're meat and you're cold. Uh huh. So uh huh. Yeah. Also, so we were mentioning earlier about how the, this futuristic, you know, sort of uh, uh, Howard Stern like radio host that's comment and it, like I love how he's basically commenting this entire like crazy fight scene or you know whatever you want to call it like the shootout whatever you want to call it right like he's commentating everything on the show right and and i love how like at the very end like he signs off right after the final explosion in the movie takes place and it just Mm -hmm. happens to be right when he signs off for the night and sends it off to the next host (laughs) i'm certain that was the best show he'd, he'd done Oh yeah, yeah, the best show, yeah, of his broadcasting career. Yeah, no, I would say so too. Yeah, that would be, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, and then there was uh, there was one one bit that I actually really appreciated. The first time I saw the movie, it really it really got me. Uh, mm-hmm. It was actually the opening uh, when they when they show. So there's there's the asteroids thing, and they do Fifth Element, but there's a bit where they show the Earth sort of they show the bottom of the Earth, and then it sort of rotates to the side. Hmm. In, in an interesting way that I haven't seen any other movie do anything like that. Cause usually it's, it's 
the top or the side and they just sort of show it. And this was the way that they edited that in. I, I found really interesting. It was very striking. Uh, oh, interesting. Just the yeah. Very beginning of the movie uh, starts off. Yeah. Do you have any other favorite moments before we move on to our ratings? Yeah. There was the bit where he's drinking the water. I just think it's funny where he gives him the water. Or he isn't drinking the water. I should say he gives him the oh, water. Okay. And he's like, he's like, and then you keep pausing and you're like, okay, is he going to drink? Is he going to drink it? And then he's like, well, toast. And you're like, okay, cool. He's going to drink it. And then he looks at it and goes, you can't toast with water. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that's, that was funny too. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. that's good. All right. So yep. uh, let's wrap this up and, and give our final ratings of the movie. Uh, Brian, what rating do you give this movie? I have a feeling oh, I, I know. Love- I feel like I love this movie. Well, if we're going thumbs up, it has to be thumb, you know, thumbs up. It has to be thumbs up. But obviously, yeah. I really like this movie. Otherwise, why would I watch it so many times? It's 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 excellent. Uh, I think it's one of the, you know, you can't really call anything perfect, but I think it's damn near close. Fair enough. Yeah. How many times have you seen it? Do you remember? Do you know? Not exactly. It's a bunch. A bunch. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's more. It it's DVD, more than I've, two. <laughs> Uh, I have it on DVD. Uh, I've got it on Amazon. I've probably got it at least one other place. I paid for it. You know, it's just, yeah. Yeah. So here's my rating. So if you would have asked me to give a rating of this movie, if I had only saw the first half of the movie. So if, if you, if let's say you, we paused the movie halfway through and you told me to give a rating right at the, right at that moment before we continued the movie. I will say, like I mentioned before, I think I would have I would have given it a thumbs down if we were to stop in the first half of the movie. However, the ending, uh, I think, did make up for the make up the for the beginning for me personally. So I think I will actually give it a thumbs up overall uh, because uh, because the the ending, I think, certainly justify or, or justified a thumbs up and made up for the beginning. But, uh, but I got to tell you, man, like I, that, that beginning of the movie, man, was just super rough for me. And, and again, that's just a personal opinion for me, but, but, uh, but that, but that first part of the movie was rough, but, but overall, like I said, thumbs up for me. So, uh, well, thank you so much, uh, Brian, for being on the show. Uh, once again, uh, this was such a fun conversation. Uh, if anybody wants to, uh, find, Anything that you're doing online, let the good people know where they can find you. Oh, uh, these days I'm fairly scarce. I mean, Discord a lot. Uh, you can, if you want, follow me on Twitch, be Coford. Uh, I probably will show back up there eventually. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the always hilarious uh, DF42, uh, so 4728A122D9462 <laughs> on Twitter. On Twitter. <laughs> haven't changed it you kept it that default username that twitter gave you (laughs) there's no reason you should follow me on that a lot of my tweets are just oh there's a promotion and they insist you tweet something or Mm -hmm. uh, griping at fedex because they can't figure out how to deliver to my house you know (laughs) there's there's nothing worth actually seeing for me on twitter yeah but well and of course and of course you can find uh, the show notes to because i can't even remember it so (laughs) well and yeah of course you can catch uh b coford um on game night as well and on various properties that i do uh which if you uh if you want to catch that live i'm live twice a week over at twitch.tv slash w scott is one of course i do a watch party for each of the movies that we review on this show if you want to watch the movie with myself and fellow listeners you can do so by joining the conversation in our discord over at discord.cinemavention.com. We do a watch party for each of the movies in there. There's a voice channel for it. You will not regret it. It is such a fun time. But if you can't make it to the party, let's say, you know what? I just can't make it to the uh, watch party this weekend. No problem, because if you're a patron, you can uh, get them in your own RSS feed over at patreon.com slash is one so you can still have that experience with us even if you can't make it live. And uh, if you have more thoughts about this movie that we uh, talked about today, if you have more uh, interesting insights about this movie that you want to talk about, send in your feedback over at email at cinemavention.com. And you can check out the website to see all the previous movies that we've covered on this show over at cinemavention.com. 
And there's a link over there to subscribe on your favorite podcatcher of choice. Be that Pocket Cast. Why couldn't I come up with that name? You could do it on Spotify. You can do it on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Pick your favorite, leave a review, and subscribe. That really helps folks find the show, and I always appreciate it. Music has been provided by the lovely Kevin McLeod over at Incompetech.com. And I am very excited about next week's movie because we get to talk about Anchorman with Sarah Lane. I can't wait to talk about this movie with her. That's going to be an amazing episode. I hope you will be there and and I hope you will listen to that episode next week. Until then, we'll see you next time. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs) 